Welcome to another episode of the Balancing Hormones Naturally podcast, where we offer actions and steps you can take today to start balancing your hormones naturally. This is your podcast host, Leah Brueggemann. I am a functional diagnostic nutritional practitioner. I am honored and excited to be your guide on your journey to better understanding your hormonal health and how it affects your everyday life. All right, ladies, so we have a very special guest today. We are going to be chatting with Megan Blacksmith, who is also a fellow FDN, but you also, Lynn, stepped into like this whole other persona as well. Um, I know that you are an NLP practitioner, but then what's your title when you're an NLP practitioner that teaches other people how to be NLP practitioners? Well, so we've actually gone a step beyond that, Leah, because we call it now functional NLP. We're combining functional medicine with NLP, and the official title is NLP trainer. Once you've gone through, it was seven-day, 14-day, and then 18-day in-person training to become the trainer. Yes. 18 days. 18 days, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I was going to say, I'm trying to gear my brain up for seven days. Yes. Yes. It's good that you start with seven. Yeah. Well, I'm going to do the one in January. So we're going to do two Two. and then we're going to do seven. And then I guess we'll go from there. Um, Yeah. 18. Wowzers. That's a long, that's my, I would probably be crying. I think by the end, you know? Well, Leah, it wasn't just 18 days. It was 18 days in December. So December 1st to 18th, I have two kids. So I think you probably can understand like that was a really, really big (laughs) deal to leave I had a huge breakthrough just literally just getting there to the training was was like okay I got my money's worth because I had to work through all sorts of stuff around the idea of that yeah it was okay to do that that I could take that time for myself that I could be gone that long and in December yeah I feel like they did that on purpose probably they did (laughs) Like, let's just structure the torture. Anyways, let me explain what we're going to talk about in this episode. So we are going to talk a little bit about brain rewiring and brain retraining and how the mindset, emotional, your thoughts around your health are the missing component to you actually healing. Even if you have the right protocol, you're doing all the right things, but let's say you're not seeing the results or it's just protocol to protocol to protocol. What is missing? This is missing. And I'm so excited to have Megan come on because this is actually something we're adding to our program in 2024 and I'm so excited. So just introduce yourself and, and tell me what you do and how you got to where you are and all the things. Absolutely. Okay, so I am Megan Blacksmith of the company Zesty. Our our brand is Zesty. So uh, I have a business partner, so I I might keep saying we. It's not like a mouse in my pocket. It's an actual business partner. So Dr. Alex, if I say we. So together, we've operated Zesty now for 10 years. And we really started in the in your space, we started in the hormone health, female hormone health space and did group programs and functional lab work and really focused on that solely for like the first six to eight years and loved that. Love, love, love that. Love everything about that and got so deep into it until there was this turning point where we were seeing patterns in the people we were working with, some getting great results, right? It's like, well, you got lab work and you got a great functional lab work. You got a great protocol. They're willing to slow down. They're willing to kind of uh, address lifestyle. Great. And then there was this category, Leah, that it was like, no matter 
what we did, what they did, because these are people who are compliant to a T. Mm-hmm. way more compliant than I probably ever could be in life. Almost the more compliant they were. I'm not going to say the worst results because it wasn't everyone, but there was this pattern of mm-hmm. people that were really, really good at doing the exact thing you, t- you would tell them. And <laughs> I started to understand and dig into beliefs back then. I wasn't necessarily trained in anything specific in language or mindset. It's just always been a passion of mine. I do think that's one of my superpowers is pulling that out of people, kind of like, what yeah. is underneath this? What <laughs> is that belief? And we'd find often find something tied to a really specific event or a relationship with a brother or sister or a parent, right? There, we'd find something and I'd be like, cool, <laughs> but then what? Yeah. So sometimes just discovering it, they're like, yes, everything comes from that one incident with my brother. We're like, great. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that, that was actually enough because it was like awareness. Most of the time it, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, what? can I do? How can we actually help rewire these beliefs? How can we actually find a way? And at this point, I didn't, I didn't know what that modality would be. Mm -hmm. Okay, ladies, this is why you should be seed cycling. Seeds have amazing nutrients that we need to support our hormones. It's super easy to do. They're very high in fiber, especially soluble fiber, so very good for your gut, very good for your bowels, very good for estrogen levels, and it's such a simple thing that you can do to support your hormones. I have been using Funkit Wellness Seeds for over three years now. If that doesn't say how much I love them and how much easier they make my life, I really don't know what will. So the reason why I love Funkit Wellness Seeds is because there's a couple things that you need to look for when you do seeds for seed cycling to support your hormones. You need to be getting organic seeds, okay? If you're buying them from the grocery store, you need to be buying whole seeds. Now, they go rancid a lot faster once they're ground, so hence why you need to buy them whole. And when I buy them from Funkit Wellness, she grinds them right before she ships them to me. So I don't have to worry about them going rancid. And then secondly, I don't have to worry about my husband finding flax seeds in the coffee grinder anymore because I was using them to grind my seeds. And then on top of that, I wasn't as consistent with my seed cycling because I would forget to grind them. And then I didn't want to go find the coffee grinder. And then it was just this whole thing. And I wasn't as consistent as I should be. And if you want to see support and you want to see results from seed cycling you need to be consistent you need to be consistent for at least three cycles because what you're doing right now is going to be affecting your period three cycles from now okay so if you've never seed cycle before i'm gonna break it down for you start of your period you're gonna do one tablespoon of pumpkin seed one tablespoon of flax seed every single day from period to ovulation and then at ovulation you switch to one tablespoon of sesame and one tablespoon of sunflower every single day from ovulation to your period now when i use the fungus wellness seeds which are the only ones i use it is nurture which is their pumpkin and flax blend from period to ovulation and then i switch to the radiate which is the sesame and sunflower it makes my life incredibly easier on top of that though their seeds actually really do taste better and i i don't know i'm assuming it's the incredible 
quality of the sourcing that she does and how fresh they are, but you legitimately will taste a difference. So if you go to funkitwellness.com, you can do the subscription. You don't have to, but I'm telling you, you'll want to because you get free shipping and you get a discount. So do the subscription and then you can cancel or pause at any time. There's no issue there. And then you can stack that with the coupon Leah 15 to save 15%. So that is an incredible deal and it makes them very, very affordable. So I think that you will love that. And on top of that, Funkit Wellness does send out amazing recipes. If you just get bored with, you know, throwing them on your oats or making seed cycling energy balls or whatever, you know, you want to do your seeds in. So thank you so much to Funkit Wellness for partnering with us on this podcast because they're a company that I've been using for years and my clients use them and it just makes everybody's life easier so you can actually see results from seed cycling because you're going to be consistent. Luckily for me, uh, Dr. Alex and I both always tend to go through things the hard way and we find it at, find these things personally. So I went through a mold journey in my in my home where we bought a home, found out it was filled with mold, moved out, remediated. My body took a huge toll and I had done all the things. I had done the protocols, the best protocols. I ha- We have our infrared sauna out there. I had the binders. I had all the things and I had at first really jumped from like, well, but maybe there's a better protocol. I mean, maybe I'm just not retaking them at the exact right time and really gotten into these like details of it. And it was crazy. It was crazy making like, I mean, actually I felt like I was going crazy. So I stopped myself. I'm like, no, stop researching. You have researched, you've access to some of the best functional practitioners. Like let's uh, you know, Megan, you know, Leah, there's way more than one way to get to something like, let's yeah. just chill out a little bit, do the process. And what I found uh, through finding neuro-linguistic programming and going to a training just for my personal, for my personal life, I really didn't go for business. I went for me, stuff that was happening in my body and and in my relationship and discovered all these beliefs hiding under there around healing, all these beliefs around it not really being safe to heal that I didn't deserve to fully heal. Um, if I was healed, I'm going to use the word healed, but if I was in a great, amazing state and my body was working well, then then what if I still didn't meet some of the goals I had set? Mm-hmm. And what happens when I don't have those days hanging out in bed? Like, will my husband still drive the kids and make dinner? Mm-hmm. Because all of a sudden, you know, mom's willing to help more. My dad's willing to help more. People are all in because I'm in this horrible place. And there was this, there was a secondary gain from that. And I do not want to say this so that anyone is shaming and guilting them themselves of like, oh, I caused this and it's because I want more help. I'm, I'm not, please don't go there, please. And it, it is, it can be a big factor in it. So I uncovered these and Dr. Alex had chronic pain. She uncovered some very similar beliefs, not too surprisingly. We are a little twins on that path. And when we found found a tool to actually move those beliefs, that's when both of us physically mm-hmm. completely shifted. So mm-hmm. I 
you know, mold isn't a thing for me anymore. I, I used to like hold my nose if I was walking through like a building that had like a moldy smell. It was so triggering. And now I'm not going to go, you know, actively like rub my face on it or sleep in it. And I, I don't have any reaction like I used to. It's just, it's just not even really, it's not a concern. It's not really a thing for me. And Dr. Alex had chronic pain and endometriosis and she, um, now has none of that. And this was like a 18 year journey for her. She just actually has zero pain and it, it's just been, that was the missing link for us. Yeah. I, I'm so excited about this and there's just so many, oh, there's so many little nuggets that you dropped there that I want to kind of pull out for people because I see this, I see this in myself too. So I've worked with a coach who has done this with me, not at this intense level, but definitely much more with bringing awareness and learning to regulate myself and learning to like rewire different patterns. And so I start to recognize it in people around me and I start to recognize it in my clients, but then I'm like, how do I fix it? Because I don't know how to coach somebody else through that. I don't know how to hold that space for them um, yet. Yet. We're going to get there. But um, it's so crazy to me how we will have those those two sides of the coin, ones who follow the protocol completely perfectly. And they're like, um, I'm literally, someone told me the other day, she's like, I literally have trouble swallowing pills because I'm so emotionally caught up that if I don't do this perfectly, mm. then I might as well not do it at all. Like it has to be down to like everything, like my blood sugar balance, my sleep, my working out, every single supplement at the right time. And then there's also the other camp who's like constantly like looking for the next shiny penny, you know, so they aren't consistent with actually just doing the basic simple thing that they should be doing. And the end result is that they still aren't seeing, they aren't seeing the results, but it's not because there's anything wrong with the protocol. It's because of that trust in yourself or you've tried everything and it hasn't worked. So why is this different? And um, yeah, I, yeah. I just think it's crazy. Those big, we call them, you know, the big blockers, like the beliefs that would block everything out. So when we do in our seven day or six or seven day training, we'll, we are like taking care of those first, because if there's some overall, nothing works for me, which is very common in our space. When you've, when you've done things for five, 10 years, you, that's a, you know, it's a valid place your brain came to. Yeah. <laughs> I am physically still not where I want to be. Therefore nothing works for me. And it can actually block every single other thing we're doing, including mm -hmm. Leah, think about that, right? Like the, think about the actual energy of what's going on when you're about to take a supplement or you're about to force yourself to do a thing. And that energy of how you're thinking about it will change how your body absorbs it. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, so it, it's like, we've had many, and actually that happened with Dr. Alex too. She was taking also, I think it was I think it was progesterone at the time. She was taking some like oral progesterone and we were t testing her hormones and they were like not shifting at all and kept upping the dose. And it was like, it was not going into her body. It, it was a shutdown mode, nothing out, nothing in. It's just staying how it was. And like when we're, there was beliefs there and then there was constant chronic like fight or flight and stress. But I do think that whole, that all or nothing mentality 
can be so damaging. I'm going to say that because I do actually want people to think of it in that extreme. I just heard on a coaching call, um, my coach had said to me, what if it wasn't all or nothing, but what if it's small and something? Mm-hmm. And I just loved that, right? Like what, what can we allow ourselves? Like what's the one small thing we can allow ourselves to do mm-hmm. in Another example where I was in a group last night and teaching about habits and someone said, I don't get it. I have this great habit where so once a month um, she had the habit of doing this, this juice cleanse thing that the group was doing. Cool. But she's like, I have this habit where it's easy for me to do it. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the month I go right back to all my like my eating junk food or, you know, whatever she was considering. It was just like, I don't get it. I don't understand why I would have this habit over here and then be the complete opposite over there. Oh, in another, you know, mm-hmm. a few days later. And I was really, really thinking about this. And I was like, wait, I think that is the same habit. <laughs> that is the habit of all or nothing. That is the habit of I will do, because she was just like, I don't want to do the version of the juice where you like have some food. And, you know, so it was like, if I'm going to do it, it's going to be exactly the way it has to be done. And then on the other days, it was like, if I'm going to not do it, Mm -hmm. right, if I'm going to be, I am doing air quote unhealthy, but right, her version of what that was, Mm -hmm. she was going all in on that too. (laughs) She was like, I'm not going to have one good meal or, or one meal that I consider not great for my body and then go back. To, to doing something oh, yeah. good. It was like, no, I'm, when I, when I go off, I go all off. When I go in, I go all in. Okay. And it's two extremes, but it, it's actually the same habit. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just one result you like and one result you don't in her, in her case. And I was that's like, well, that's fascinating. And it allows us to be like, well, it's not, it's not me of this, like, oh, I just can't do it in this certain area of my life. Because the patterns are the patterns. It's like how we do one thing is how we do everything. So if you're able to do something like that, that strictly one day a month, then you're able to do other things that strictly other days of a month. That's what it just wasn't what she wanted to be doing. She was strictly not following, you know, the things she wanted to be doing. Yeah. So what did you talk to her then about? Like, was it just reframing how she views that habit or? Well, right. So for one, even recognizing that it was actually really the same, the same flip side of the coin, it was really the same thing. But two, it was, we got talking into um, values and needs. So it's like, why are you, why are you doing this on one day? Like, why, what do you get out of this one day kind of specific juice thing? Like, what do you get out of it? There, there has to be some values and some needs being met. And it was like, okay, she feels really good doing it. She has the connection of the group she's in. There was, there was a good list of them. Mm -hmm. And then we looked at the list of like, okay, what are you getting out of this other thing? And really what ends up happening is we're, we're, we're actually, our brain perceives we're getting the same value out of both. It's like, I, you know, on the other one, well, I, I wanted relaxation. I wanted peace. I wanted connection with my partner. So we're going to sit here and watch a movie and, you know, eat some Cheetos, whatever it is. It's like, that was, that was the same need. So what we will dig into is how can people get that need met before they kind of get to that, that breakdown point of, of going all or nothing. So how can we bring in more if it's connection for them, if it's fun for them, if it's right, like the feeling of just relaxation, like maybe that's what it represents of like, I'm just going off today. I have no rules. 
Mm -hmm. Like, where can we bring that in, in their life in a different way? That's not food. If that's the one, right. Cause you can represent it earlier in the day. Cause usually late in the day is when we are like, if that need hasn't been met, we'll find a way to meet it. And it might be in the fridge <laughs> or in the alcohol or in the whatever. Okay. I really, really, this is cool. So it's not necessarily like, it's not that you have a craving to do X, Y, Z, and you have to like over muscle the craving it's figuring out how that's serving you which I think is so interesting because I have met people that are like there is not a single thing in their house that's slightly toxic but they'll eat Chick-fil-a every day Hmm. and I'm like that makes no sense to me but then there's like the people who it's like they it has to be organic like it can be a complete like sugar filled caffeine filled but it's organic so it is healthy like they just have these beliefs about their health and then like all of their personal care products or something are completely toxic like it's just they're very extreme in one camp and it and I I'm coming at that and I'm like that makes no sense to me like can't we find like a happy medium in both camps but they are very like no if it has fragrance in it it will not be touching my skin but I also would like to drink caffeine and Red Bull and eat McDonald's every day and I'm like that makes no sense to me yeah we make up our rules it's a really good point Lee. we will make up our rules and it's exhausting to remake them up every day. It's exhausting to be, you know, we don't want to, it's like when you first start on a health journey and you're learning like what's in foods and what brands do I like and et cetera. At some point you're like, okay, I have my things. Like, I'm just going to buy these things, right? Like, please don't make, I mean, I, I think I don't, you'd have to pay me a lot of money to read labels at this point. <laughs> I like Yep. Yeah. So, you know, you, you get your things, you stick to your things. And, and I feel like that happens in all different categories. It's just like, my mind says, this is okay. And, and we're okay with that. And my mind says, this is not okay. And we're okay with that. And I don't know. So it's interesting. I would sometimes would almost make the argument that it really is so much based on what we believe about it. Now, I'm not going to argue that there are not toxins and chemicals and things in the world. There are. And I'm not going to argue not to pay attention to them. I do think we need a foundation of Hmm. health. And I would argument that sometimes the toxic thoughts, the toxic beliefs, the like the absolute fear of like touching something like a receipt or right. Like the, that to me is more damaging. And I've, and I've seen it because I've seen the people who've been a like go so far extreme of getting rid of the toxins and still are deep, deep, deep in illness and their body. And then I've seen people like, I don't know, like my dad, <laughs> like the guy has like an overall great lifestyle, very connected community, very connected to humanitarian and, and not very connected to like, not looking <laughs> at specifics of what he eats, right? Like yeah. just not a thing for him. And he's, Oh, you know, 78 and doing amazing. So, I, you know, I, it's like there, there is a balance for sure of mm-hmm. how much are we going to wor- worry, care about certain things? And then where are we going to decide? And then we can, sh- we can shift those though. We can always change those. Mm-hmm. And I know um, I have loosened the, the reins on what we do in our household from when I first learned about this, because when I first learned about it, it was, 
it was the changes that completely changed my personal health. Mm -hmm. And when you go from, you know, panic attacks on the floor and wanting to break your arm postpartum to not go into work to finally feeling good, you, you're like, okay, I'm going to stick to exactly what I figured out. And yeah. I fell into that strict camp for a while. Mm -hmm. And then I got sick again with mold. Yeah. I, I definitely, I don't know. There's such a, a fine line. So like my youngest brother um, has a chromosomal deficiency and he's special needs and he is nonverbal. And so I, when I grew up, um, my mom was constantly looking like, you know, what's the next thing that's going to help him? Like, how can we like support him? And, you know, his diet was very, very, very strict. And that's, I feel like where I picked up those beliefs when I landed in my health journey. Um, and it's like one of those things, like you don't know the things you pass on to your kids until you know the things. Um, and I was constantly looking for, you know, the 30 day, I can be so strict for 30 days. I can do anything. I can take any supplement. I can eat, not eat any food. I can do whatever. And I started to look at food as this is good and this is bad and this will help me and this will completely hate me. And now well, I'm also in a much better place, like health wise, but now it's like I can control what I can control. And when I go to somebody's house or when I go out or when we're traveling, my body can handle that. You know, I'm set up with a strong foundation, but that took so many years like of getting over the fear of food. And like, I, it was like, I was scared to eat it and scared not to eat it. It's like, this is going to make me feel like I got food poisoning. Um, and a lot of it, did have to like literally heal like I, I had to yeah. literally physically heal but emotionally I had to heal too because of all of the things that I had put on by different doctors whatever was so restrictive that my idea of food was it was good or bad and and food has no moral code mm -hmm. oh gosh you're speaking my language it's it's I came from a past of having really restricted, I, I, I binged and purged in college, I was bulimic, I went through many different restrictive phases where I, like you, I could have followed anything. It was just mm -hmm. like, tell me what to do. Oh, are we drinking? Um, what was that stuff? It was like, oh, well, it was like the lemonade. <laughs> I can't, couldn't even remember. That was interesting. There was like, you drink lemons and cayenne pepper and something for days. It was horrible. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> Yeah, it's so bad. Oh, I think it was called. Anyway, I won't. I won't say because then people will look it up. This is true. <laughs> don't don't do it. Is what I'm saying. It was horrible. Anyway, I could follow anything that was just given, said to me, or given to me. And really, honestly, it's like almost the stricter it was, the easier it was because then you have no decisions to make, right? Yeah. You, you're just like, just drink this thing for three days. It's, and what happens is we just completely override and I completely overrode for so many years the message that my body was sending to me. And then you start to really erode that relationship. So you know the importance of blood sugar balance, but what happens on the days when you are out and about and you just did not plan for all contingencies that happened you start getting really really hungry or maybe you have to 
um, eat out somewhere and you weren't able to get as much protein as you want or you just need a little snack or you are just a little bit hungry, how do you do that on the run? And I will tell you how I do this and it is Paleo Valley's meat sticks and superfood bars. I pair those together. I always have one in my purse and in my diaper bag. Actually, I probably have more than one because Landon likes to steal mine. So I always have those. I wouldn't say keep them in your car unless you live in a very cold area like I do right now and then they'll probably be fine in your car. But I always have them on hand because then I know no matter what happens, I always have something that I can grab and support my blood sugar balance and nourish my body. They are the highest quality. Their ingredients are incredible. Um, I have two favorite flavors with their superfood bars, the lemon meringue and the apple cinnamon. Those are my two favorites. They do have a red velvet one. I haven't tried that one yet, so... If you guys try that, you'll have to let me know. But their ingredients are incredible. They use grass-fed bone broth protein, and they also use date for a sweetener, and it is quite low glycemic. They don't use gluten, grains, soy, or any um, added cane sugar, so that is really, really great if you're looking for something that's going to be a little bit lower in sugar, and I pair it with my meat stick. You guys, I've already talked about the meat sticks. You know why. I love them. I love their ingredients. I love how they are grass-fed and grass-finished. They don't have any fillers in there. They support regenerative farming, which is really, really important to me. I pair those two together. I love the teriyaki. That is one of my favorite ones in the beef. And then I also do really, really like their... Um, there are turkey sticks as well. So that's another one that you may really, really like. And I highly recommend them. Um, so you guys know I always 100% want transparency with companies. And I am so proud to be able to partner with Paleo Valley because they 100% provide that transparency because then you as the consumer get to make an educated decision. That's all we want. We want transparency so then we know what we're eating and then we can make a decision about that and Paleo Valley is something that I bring into our family and I consume it and my kids consume it, my husbands consume it and I love their ingredients. So I really could recommend everything but top 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 is going to be meat sticks their superfood bars. And I also really like their um, vitamin C and their uh, beef organ complex. I'll have to tell you about the beef organ complex at a later date because that one's also really good. So you can go to paleovalley.com, P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y, and you can use the coupon code Leah, L-E-A-H, to save 15%. The same thing will happen when you go in to a doctor. Same thing happened where I was like, okay, all my conventional lab work was fine. Mm -hmm. And then you're going, yeah, but I don't feel fine. So I'm thinking, you know, if this is how everybody feels, I felt so miserable postpartum. I'm like, if this is how everybody feels after having a baby, no one in the world would have more than one baby. Right. Yep. <laughs> and I, 
I see lots of people with more than one baby. So I'm like, this cannot just be normal. Cause they're like, nope, thyroid's normal. You're not, not overweight. Like you're fine. I'm like, I am not fine. This is not fine. This is not me fine. And I hadn't really had any severe health concerns before this. So this was so unlike me. And when you're told, no, you are fine. And you know, you're not, you start to really question, you like, you start to really, or at least I did, I started to really question myself. I mean, I was questioning them too, but at this point I had been brought up like doctor knows everything and you listen. So I'm like, huh, I don't really know what to do with this. I'm not fine. Luckily I looked further and I found the world of functional medicine and it really was a quick turnaround for me. Once I did, it was only like three months. So then I was like, okay, we're off and running. Uh, but that relationship of just really overriding like any part of your emotional compass so in our trainings we really are different what we consider a functional version of NLP because NLP is neuro-linguistic programming which many people have heard of we're adding a flavor to it that we really want to bring in this emotional compass piece we really want to well you don't want people to be using these tools because they're very powerful to override them we don't want to be like now I'm going to force a strategy and a habit on me we really want them first to get to what do I actually want in life in the world like what is my true calling what is my purpose what what am I actually going for and then making some decisions based on that not you know well my mom thought I'd be happy in this profession and people say you'll be happier if you make this much money and right it's really Mm -hmm. figuring that out and and being able to tap into that that emotional compass like most of us have ignored emotions for at least I know I did Mm -hmm. wasn't the thing I was taught (laughs) right right do not have them they that that's the programming like they are weak and you will be taken advantage of or you will look like you don't know what you're doing and Mm -hmm. um because of that they mine were so shut down and the more people we work with when the that emotional compass is more shut down we're we're really just kind of guessing when something's good for us Mm -hmm. whereas once we really get back in touch with that that's when eating becomes so easy. And that's when living and breathing becomes so easy because I can check in with my body and be like, all right, I smell something here in this building. Like, is it safe for me to hang out here? Or is this like one of those scenarios where it's like, no, you got to do the hard thing and actually leave. Mm -hmm. And I could hear that feedback now. Mm -hmm. I could not then. It was fully I would maybe run out of fear or I would maybe run because someone else said I should, or it wasn't, it wasn't my emotional compass though. So that's our goal is to really get people. It's not um, in our trainings. It's not uh, adding, we are adding ton of information, but that's not the goal. It's really what can we let go of? Because we, we leave having let go of all the extra beliefs and the baggage and the stuff that we no longer need. So we can get, closer to that clarity, closer to that, like just knowing, all right, this is the next step for me. Mm -hmm. Cool. Don't have to worry about it. So I have a question. Can we talk about, you touched on it, but how the habit is somehow serving you, whether it's your goal or not? Because something Mm -hmm. we'll hear all the time is like, I know that this food doesn't serve me. Like I don't feel good afterwards, but like I can't help it. Or I know that I should be not scrolling TikTok at 3 a.m. in the morning, but like no matter what, I am always scrolling TikTok or whatever it is. And 
we always come back to like, it's a self-control. I have no willpower. And we constantly like beat ourselves down over and over. Um, and you said, um, I'm going to quote you probably incorrectly, but you said at some level that is serving you. Um, and can we talk about that? Why? Because mm-hmm. Yes. Bad. Yes. So general belief that I have across the board, we have as our, as our trainings is that anything we're doing is serving us. So from a ba- brain-based level, it's serving us. Even if you're smoking a cigarette every day and your doctor's telling you it's not good for your lungs and you consciously know it's not good for you, your brain is saying, this is something you've done every day. Therefore, I'm going to make it automatic because it would be really exhausting if we had to wake up and relearn how to brush our teeth every day. Can you, can you imagine? So things that we do on autopilot, things that we do every day or consistently, they go autopilot. They go to the unconscious mind. This is conscious mind is only 5% of the time. The rest of the time, 95% of our day is running from the unconscious mind. It's running on autopilot. So that also, that 95%, that unconscious mind was mostly formed from zero to seven years old. Oh, that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So 95% of our day we're run by, is run by a seven-year-old. <laughs> kind of frightening. Not for everybody. Although if you've never really gone back and kind of done this whole rewiring and done this deep digging or kind of said like, okay, those were the beliefs that were passed down to me. Which, of one are, which ones are serving me? Which ones do I want to change? If you haven't done any of that assessment, then we really are operating with whatever was handed to us. And of course, those people who are taking care of us, most of them were doing that with the best that they could. Mm-hmm. And they passed on what the knowledge was at the time or what their programming was. So that's what we got. Sometimes that's great. And sometimes those are not beliefs we want to have. Yeah. <laughs> right. So with that operating in the background, what what we choose to do might sound like consciously we might say that's not what I want to be doing, but it really could match up with all those beliefs that we've inherited mm-hmm. and we keep doing it. That can be one way. Another way, though, is the secondary gain, which I think is what you were possibly referring to is like what we get out of a thing for not doing it. Yeah. Or what we get out of something that we say we don't want to do. There's always a gain. Right. So we get, we really get to dig into what am I getting out of this and why do I keep doing it? Mm-hmm. There's something. Is it, and it's got to be a higher value than the other thing. Like if it's comfort, if we're doing the food thing for comfort or the scrolling thing to get some excitement and some dopamine, like if we're, we're looking for excitement in our life, trying to get that a hit then at that moment, we, it must be a high value for us and we must not really be getting it. So it's not that we necessarily really want it in that way. It's just that that might be the way that we have wired in as the easiest way to get it. Okay. So we can start to recognize, like, what is it I am actually getting out of this? So is it avoidance? Like, is it that I do the thing on my phone and then I avoid the other things that are scary and are going to take more of me and might bring up emotions or I might have to speak to someone directly or set a boundary or, right? Like, is what what is there something I'm avoiding? Um, is there something that I just get from this? Like, it makes me feel happy, like, brings connection, whatever we can just start to see, because if we keep saying we don't want to do it mm-hmm. and we keep doing it, then we're getting it. It's meeting a value and a need. 
It has to be. Ooh, okay. This needs a lot of breakdown. So let me, I'm going to give you an exact example because I get this one yes, a lot. Um, I want to go to bed at a certain time, but something always prevents it. Because when they go to bed at a certain time, their day is set up better. Their morning is better. Their cravings are less. Their energy is better. But either they start watching a TV show and they want to binge it. They are cramming all of their schoolwork in at the end. They start scrolling TikTok and like, I don't know, never stop. Um, Online shopping, like that's when they start going and looking at different things. And it's always the excuse of like, well, this is my me time. My kids are in bed now, or this is the only time I get Mm -hmm. to do this, or I, you know, need to get caught up on schoolwork. But the end goal is we're still on our phone and we're not going to bed on time. So what, what, what do we do? What's the next step? Yeah, that is a super common one. I love, I love that one that you brought up, Leah. So each individual person is going to have to figure out what, what need is being met by doing this thing. We had someone come to us and said, they're like, they, that was what the habit they wanted to work on right through the techniques we use. Like, I want to go to bed by 11. I'm like, great. So I, what we do though, is we always ask questions. We're like, we're not going to take it at face value that you really want to go to bed at 11. Cause people tell us things all the time and they think they want that thing. <laughs> we just have to really understand why they want that thing. And if it's actually ecological for them, is it good for them and everybody involved? Like someone might say, I don't want to eat carbs anymore. And we really just have to look at that. Like it, that could be a goal. I could help you manage your environment so you never come in contact with them again and is that actually good for the person I mean in my belief no so we're with the kind of look at everything involved and we ask a ton of questions so with the bedtime thing one of the most common ones that we'll run into is um that that's their time for connection usually that's their time for connection with a partner or mm-hmm. right kids are finally in bed or some activity where it's like I just want to, I want to have the me time. And so if we attempt to pull that from us and that's the only time we're getting it, that is going to, it's just like pulling a food, right? It's, it's like the deprivation immediately. The brain is like, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Not safe. Yeah. It's not safe. You're pulling this, you're pulling a, like a need of mine. You're pulling a major pillar out from under me. Okay. So what we'll do is we'll kind of work the other way around. Okay, what are you getting out of this connection? Okay, how can we get you that connection earlier in the day? How can we structure this so that this is not the only time that you're getting this thing? Or that there's another, if if you've asked enough questions and you really still do feel like the bed, like that it actually, they know I feel great going to bed at this time. Because I do, we have people question everything because sometimes it's like, I've just been told that morning people are better people, right? And it's not true. Like there are some people who actually do better going to bed late and sleeping in late. And I know that's not commonly believed in the health space because you're like, yeah, but no, your melatonin and your circadian rhythm (laughs) and liver. (laughs) Right. Like I, yeah, I don't know. I have seen it. I have seen people who successfully have a shifted whole rhythm and it works very well for them. So do you just kind of want to question everything mm-hmm. of what's going on in your life? What is the best setup for you? And if you know, you, if you know, though, if they're like, I feel better every time mm-hmm. I do it, then okay, cool. And then we're like, okay, we can really work with this and just start to figure out what are, what are these factors they're working against? 
what is the identity? We have to kind of get to an identity level of who would the person be that actually went to bed at 10 and, or whatever it is, 11. And what is it that they are doing to make this happen? And we do still want the me time. We do still want the connection time. So are we not prior, are we overbooked? Or do we not allow ourselves? I mean, I get it. Lots of people don't work from home like me. But even if you do work from home, do you have all these random beliefs of like, it's not okay to take an hour during the day and watch a show? Or your kids, in my case. Yes. Yeah. Or your kids. Exist. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I had a really strong belief that like, if I hired a babysitter, then um, I needed to be doing work. Like meaning it had to be like a, a tat, not if not for like a date night, but if I just like had a during the day sitter back when my kids were younger, I would need to be doing work. I couldn't just like hire the sitter and then sit in here reading a book. That would had that wasn't okay for me in my place. I've long worked through that. But right, so this many people have this like idea of taking time for themselves or like asking for help and then actually relaxing. So all that to say, if we don't ever allow ourselves to relax, then yeah, that last hour of the day or two hours of the day is going to be the only time we ever get it. Of course, we're going to want to stay up and get that. Mm. Like the only time we really feel fulfilled if we don't allow it earlier in the day. But how can we allow more pockets earlier in the day of the thing we want to do? How do we schedule a date night early in the day? I don't know. Like how do we get more of that connection and make it a priority? That was really good. <laughs> I see that so often with moms and like even how you said that, because I do bring in a babysitter twice a week, but I work, which I'm like, you know, drowning in that aspect sometimes. So I, I have to get it done. But you were like, I can bring in a babysitter and read a book. And I'm like, what? <laughs> no, I can't. Right? <laughs> right? No, oh, these are big ones, Leah. These are like deep rooted. I had the same thing. So my husband retired from the military two years ago. So I work from home and now he's home. And so I had this programming of like, you're worthy by doing a lot. A lot of people we work with have this, like how yes. much you accomplish and do is your worthiness. Mm -hmm. So if I were like just chilling out during the middle of the day and he was home, I would like, he came home, I'd like jump up and pretend I was doing something. <laughs> I'm raising my hand, 100% me. And I mean, I'm laughing and it really, I mean, it really isn't funny because now looking back, I'm like, oh, wow. Like it isn't really even about what I was doing. It's that I needed him to think I was doing a lot. And if I'm doing a lot, then therefore I can ask him for help. And this whole game of keeping track and it's gosh it's exhausting and so mm -hmm. at, over time as I really let go of a lot of those beliefs for me personally of like okay I am still worthy and cool and loved if I do nothing and as I let them go then I you know loosened up everything that I would do and and now it's the point where I'll be like yeah I'm napping in the middle of the day like watch me still make money right like <laughs> you know he doesn't say anything he he never had the problem with it Leah yeah it was does. not a him problem at all because I remember finally bringing it up once and he's like I'd be happy if you were watching a show I don't I'd be I'd be excited for you if you were watching a show in the middle of the day or went to the mm -hmm. beach or took a nap it's like yeah. that's cool yeah. 
It's so interesting their difference because this is one that I consciously still work on because, um, again, it always like, I love my parents. I love my parents. But it comes back to like little Leah and I and I can recognize like exact moments when that got ingrained in me where it's like if you are relaxing or reading a book or doing whatever, you are not being productive um, or you can't. If you sleep in past XYZ time, like you are wasting your day or I don't know, you'll grow up to be a bum. I don't know. Like those are lazy teenagers. Yes. Like all of these things that come in and I've had this discussion where like I've told my husband where I'm like, I, I have so many things that I need to do, but my brain is like broken. I am so tired but I need to do this. And he's like, well, why don't you just watch a movie? And I'm like, I can't do that. I have to like get the stuff done on my to-do list. And he's like, why, why, why can't you just watch a movie? And then when you're rested tomorrow, you can do it. Um, so it's constantly like relearning that, but I love my little toddler. (laughs) He is hilarious. I know exactly the things that I say all the time because he repeats them to me. One of the big ones right now is when something happens that like he spills something or his brother messes, he goes, it's okay. It's fixable. And I'm like, I'm glad I've taught you that. But he will be like, I want to just lax on the couch, mom. Oh, can you hold me? I want to lax. And I'm like, okay, I'm glad that he feels like that's a safe thing to do to just relax on the couch for no reason in the middle of the day. I love that programming for him. Yes. I'm like, you're welcome, child. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) But we are learning this for our kids. Like that was one of the big, 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 big reasons why I started it because I can, you cannot um, create structure for them. Um, and boundaries for them when you're coming from an unregulated space. Yeah. I think it's just good to know we will mess up our kids, though. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's just part of it. And it, when I say mess up, I don't even really mean that because it's just it's just part of, like, it's part of their growth, too. Because even just having, I mean, having so much awareness around beliefs that I've undone from childhood, I will have situations happen all the time right now with my kids. I'm like, oh, I was like, ooh. That, that was going to, that's going to be a rough belief only because just the way they maybe took it in. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't even know how I would get around that one. I mean, if my kid is sick and home and I'm, I'm much more attentive. Right. And I'm like, Oh, anything you need. And yeah, I'll make that for you. Oh, that's true. They start to learn that. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to not be attentive when you're sick. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to just so that you, so that you learn, don't be sick. It's a tricky one because obviously I can be as attentive as I can, like when they're not sick and I'm not going to be able to keep up that pace. Like you Mm -hmm. can't lie on me, sleep on me every night. Right. So there's, there's just things that we're going to do as a parent Mm -hmm. and there might form a belief around it of I get more love when I'm sick. So Mm -hmm. we just have to know that that will happen. And that did happen to us. And then Mm -hmm. we just have to see where is it playing out? really strongly Mm -hmm. in our life now and do we think that's the only way we can get love or connection and also like you can teach them those tools um Mm -hmm. I someone told me once that so our parents passed on beliefs to us and maybe we are 
re what's the word retraining reprogramming rehealing however you would like to think about it but then also we're still going to pass some things on to our kids and probably different things because like we're focused on xyz so we're going to pass something else on to them and you know i hope though that we are able to also pass on tools to help support them but um you only know what you know you know and it's like every kid you learn more and um i mean this is my first time being a parent so yeah i i definitely don't want that to say like by learning these tools that you will be a perfect parent because i regularly um mess that up and i have to apologize to my kids (laughs) well it's like the pendulum swings the other way right so Mm -hmm. in my family education having like formal education was really really important and Mm -hmm. i kind of pushed back on that now because like i became a mechanical engineer because that was like i was good at math and this was the path and I did that for 10 years. It was great. I loved it. And I don't think it was ever really my calling. <laughs> I think so. I kind of pushed the other way and I could see, I could see my daughters being like, Hey, kind of wish mom talked about how uh, education was important. Cause it's, mm-hmm. it's not like this thing I drill into them. You, you just kind of never know. And yeah. they get to learn the tools too of like, well, when something doesn't go their way or when they decide they don't like the beliefs they have, they're going to at least know that there's a way to shift. They will at least know they're changeable because that I have definitely programmed. (laughs) Yeah. I always think that's interesting. Like thinking about that with when your kids grow up though, because it's like, I'll come across people where their parents ate really healthy. They had clean products and then they leave the house and they're like, to heck with that until they learn about it from somebody who's not their parent. And then they're like, oh yeah, that is really important. So I'm like, will that also happen with other things as well? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) My dad reminds me when I am ever concerned about like the eating habits of my, my teen, uh, he reminds me, he's like, just, just don't forget you lived on buffalo chicken calzones for about six years. So <laughs> it's like, good point, dad. <laughs> That's true. That's very, very true. I mean, in all things, there's a balance and everybody's like vitality is different too. And I think all of that's individual and people's stress capacity. And I don't know, I could talk about that forever, but I do think the kid part is very like intriguing to me because it's like, I can see direct results of like things where I'm like, okay, that's really, really good. We're making a connection there. And then other things where I just sit there and I'm like, I have no idea what to do in this situation. And (laughs) I'm befuzzled. Yeah. Well, we love parenting accounts, not just um, for kids, not just if you have kids, but the idea of some of the like conscious or compassionate parenting where you can actually use that for parenting, reparenting yourself of being like, oh, I wish someone had said that to me like that. So now when I want to take the nap in the middle of the day, I can, I can say, hey, Megan, you are, this is safe. This is okay. You're, you're still good, right? Like you can give yourself that love and support and recognize like there's a lot of programming around this not being okay. And you can, you can rewire it by doing the thing and then reinforcing like yourself, reinforcing that positive statement. We just had Leah, we just had on our podcast, um, have you heard of the attachment nerd? Mm -mm, No. Okay. It was so good. She, uh, her name's Eli. So uh, our podcast is Becoming Zesty. It was one of the 
most recent ones in October. And she talks about the four, uh, four main attachment styles. It's really helpful in the context of the work we do. She, she is a therapist. So it was interesting at one point in the interview, interview, she said something about like, well, unfortunately, you can't just go back and reprogram this stuff without talking about it. And that's actually what we do. So I didn't say anything in the interview. Um, it's not really contradictory at all, because I, mm-hmm. I fully believe that. I went to talk therapy and I believe there's a good amount to get out and and uncover. And then at some point, the cool thing about the processes that we use in our training is that they don't actually require content. So you don't have to say to anyone what's happening. Mm -hmm. You are going to an event and you're getting new learnings and you're rewiring it for you. You could tell them if you want. And it allows this process of not needing to revisit, not Mm -hmm. needing to like pull it back up and essentially re-traumatize. So I think bringing in both of those is a, is a really cool and powerful process. Yeah. And I do want to touch on, cause we talked about parents quite a few times in here. I think one of the big things as you learn to parent your own kids and learn things is also going back and realizing though, even though you picked up beliefs from your parents, you also can see it from their side of them doing the best that they could in that situation. Again, based off of how they were raised and like, you know, things that were integrated with them. And so, yeah, I don't ever want that to come across as like, oh my gosh, my parents passed on heavy metals, a bad gut microbiome, (laughs) and all these like horrible, like nervous system beliefs. And it's like, um, you know, if we want, we can now blame, I guess the new newest literature is 12 generations back that we passed stuff. Um, so 12 generations ago, we're getting their beliefs. Yeah. We want to blame someone. It's the 12 great. (laughs) No, I agree. Everyone, everyone is always doing the best they can with what they have in the moment. And I believe we're here to learn these things. So, Mm -hmm. um, we have the setup that we, the perfect setup to get through that. I, I, I wouldn't take back where I am. There will have been a lot of rough rough parts of my journey and it's like the reason why I feel like I'm really compassionate practitioner and that I go really deep into finding all the tools because I'm like I needed them Mm -hmm. so like we have some people who struggle more going through our trainings and we're like listen you struggle more you have more trauma you dissociate you have all these you know all these things going on and you're going to be the best practitioner ever because Mm -hmm. you fully understand and and not that you need to have all the pain to be a good practitioner because I definitely delete delete don't want that belief for people and if it is the reality like Mm -hmm. once you figure that out for yourself and you've had you've you've gone through it it's like Mm -hmm. you create these shortcuts and you can pass Mm -hmm. that on to the people you work with it's just super powerful Mm -hmm. mm-hmm That's so good. So I know that you guys train. Is it you just train practitioners, right? You guys don't take on like clients outside of that. Well, mostly practitioners. Yeah. So the people who come to our in-person trainings, I mean, they don't have to be a practitioner to begin with because you do leave with four certifications. Although most of the people we attract are FDNs, Mm -hmm. um, they're doctors, they're nutritionists, they're dietitians, all different Mm -hmm. people in the health care world or or we just attract the people who are really into transformation that's why I first went of just like I'm I'm addicted to like what else can we learn or know and grow so we do end up with some people coming for that and then they realize how powerful it is and then they do create a business around it they're like oh I can do this it's a pretty cool setup because once you have the skills and the structure you it, it 
you're not teaching anybody what to think. Mm-hmm. You're teaching them how to think. Mm-hmm. And you're teaching them how to think about their own beliefs. Mm-hmm. So it's not really like nutrition, for example, or relationships where you feel like, oh, I need to know the details of the nutrients and the labs and the levels and what would be a good exercise for couples. You're really actually just pulling out. I can do a couple's breakthrough and I have no background in helping couples because you're just getting their beliefs Hmm. and you're helping them shift them to what they say they want. So Hmm. we're helping people with how how they think, critical Hmm. thinking and how they use language to shift that. Yeah, that's super important. So how mm-hmm. can the how can the peoples find you and learn from you, Cheryl? Yes. So Instagram is one of our most active spots. We have uh, at becoming zesty. There is a second account that's linked in the in that profile. If you are a practitioner and you want practitioner specific tips, then you can go to the one that has NLP training in it. And then uh, we do have a podcast. So becoming zesty is our podcast and we're on season 19. So there's a lot, there's a lot there. It goes all the way back to the beginning where you can do 24 pod classes on like the hormones and cycles. And then now more recently, we're really getting into uh, beliefs and how that shifts health and beliefs and how that shifts success and being a leader. So whole range of stuff there. Uh, We, we love, love, love any, please email us support at becomingzesty.com with any questions we have. Uh, two-day in-person training coming up. So January 19th and 20th will be in Virginia Beach. And that is for anyone that is based on habits. We go through habits through the physical, mental, emotional, and energetic body. We just look at really all those questions you're asking of like, why mm-hmm. do I say, I, why do I say I want to go to bed and I don't? We, we go into like each part of each one of those bodies and we're like, which one is holding us back? We have to get all four on board. Mm -hmm. to go towards it. So that is a two-day event. And that one is a very low investment for two-day event. It's $197 until December 10th when it goes up to $297. So we'd love to have anybody who wants to come. And um, Leah, did we talk about giving away a ticket? No. Wow. Would you like to do that? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So maybe we'll make it if they leave a review on your podcast. Does that? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, and then let's say a week from whenever this airs. Does that sound? Yeah. Okay. We're just making it up on the fly. So, okay. uh, Anybody who, so all we ask is that you do actually commit that you can come for the full two days and if it's if you're not in Virginia Beach, you're gonna have to travel and get your own your housing and stuff. So as long as someone is committed, we just ask that you show that you're actually coming, like a hotel or something, and we will uh, give somebody a complimentary ticket to that event. Mm-hmm. So how about leaving a review and then in a week we can yeah uh, check and notify. We'll pick a winner. Caitlin and I are yeah. gonna get that one, so that'd be really fun. awesome. Yeah. Oh, so you can even come hang out with Leah. It sounds yeah, like. we'll be there. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Yes. Thank you for having me. I love this conversation. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Balancing Hormones Naturally. If you found this helpful, I would love for you to share it with a friend and post it on your stories and tag Balancing Hormones Naturally podcast so we can get this message out. You can find me on Instagram at Leah underscore B-R-U-E-G. And I would absolutely love to hear from you.